speaking of eating dinner at odd times, I recently learned that one of my friends eats dinner at like 10 p.m. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I do need potentially some context. I think there are definitely cultures where that isn't crazy. And uh, considering... He is a mutual friend friend of ours. Oh, really? Yes. Because I was going to say, given the sort of work schedule that you have sometimes put yourself on, I could see you doing that. Okay. Which yeah. is why I wanted more context. No, this is a person with like a normal work schedule. like. And they go to bed at like 11 or something, but just decide to eat at 10? Yeah. Honestly, so here's the thing. I can get behind that for the same reason that I eat dinner really early. Which is, it's really annoying. Like, if let's say I ate dinner at 7, which, at six, 6 or 7, which I would say growing up in the Midwest is a sort of standard dinner time. Like, if someone says dinner time, that's kind of what you're thinking, right? Is that is mm-hmm. that reasonable to say? I would say like 5 or 6. Yeah, sure, sure. I guess the Midwest does stray a little earlier, but let's 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 at least agree on six. Okay. For me, I get done working at four, which again I like because it leaves leaves me a little bit more of my evening. Like I get up, I start work very almost immediately. Like I, you know, wake up at six thirty, I start working at seven, and then I work until four because I don't like splitting up my free time. And dinner, I eat early. Because after dinner, I have several hours of uninterrupted do-whatever-we-want time, which I really mm-hmm. enjoy. Yeah, And, and I could that. totally imagine saying, uh, I'm not a big dinner person, so why don't I just eat it right before I go to sleep? Because who cares? I just need the food, but I'd rather just not be interrupted. I don't know if that's this person's thinking, but for me, that's that's a reasonable justification. It's just that I do it in a more socially acceptable kind of old fuddy-duddy way but no one's really like wow that's so weird that you always eat dinner at like five people are like eh you eat dinner at five you're an old person it's like yep cool i'll try to remember to start the episode like that next week (laughs) like what oh you're so weirdo you eat dinner at five what a loser that's fine i can take it listeners email us telling mark how much of a loser he is for you dinner at five like a (laughs) dork Sorry, tweeted no, us how that. much of a loser I am. Yeah. I've definitely eaten dinner at like 4.30 at least once in the past like week and a half. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. I, I also am just sort of on an eating schedule where I like to condense meals a little bit. I I don't... I, like I don't condense? Or as in like I don't, I don't like desire to spread out my meal times a lot. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so so I don't know. It is weird, but it's not necessarily the weirdest eating habits. It it also helps that I've become aware of more more and more fringe eating habits that people have. Mm-hmm. So hearing that someone eats dinner at ten is just another in the long list of slightly outside the cultural norm in what people do to eat in a way mm-hmm. that works for their lifestyle. Yeah. To add another log to the fire or ladle of soup to the pot or whatever. Make me be less accepting. (laughs) Well, it's it's not really that much worse or like that much more. The other meal they eat in a day, they eat at like noon. Oh, oh, okay. The only other meal. That's less weird. Noon and 10. I I would totally, that's, I mean, I didn't do that, but. um, If I could last that long. 
I would, but... I don't know. Like, if you told me that they only ate, you know, at you know 8 a.m. and 10 p.m., that would be weirder, I think. But noon and 10, not, you know, whatever. Really I, I, I did the sort of no breakfast thing for a couple years. Yeah, I... I honestly, I, just, I kind of wish I could, mm-hmm. but like I physically can't. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I, uh, I I don't do it much anymore, but I did sort of learn that if I didn't eat right, if I just didn't eat much in the morning, I never felt the need to eat really. Maybe a little huh. snack or something. But once I had like a little bit, then all of a sudden my stomach was like, hey, why aren't you feeding me more? Like I could eat yeah. in the morning. I would, I, I love breakfast. Uh, but, and, and that's kind of why I've sort of switched it up where I do eat dinner earlier, partially because of the whole evening thing, but also partially because I don't really eat lunch. Mm. I typically eat a breakfast or like a little snacky bits and pieces throughout the morning and then I'll have dinner and that's about it. Hmm. And it just kind of works out nicely because I don't want to deal with having lunch stuff on hand. Like, I don't want to make a meal during lunch. Even though I work from home, I could. I just don't want to. I'd rather just go for a walk or something. And I also don't, like, I don't like lunch meat sandwich, whatever, you know, just typical lunch stuff. I don't like any of it enough to want to do it versus I do enjoy breakfast stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess I could eat breakfast stuff around lunchtime, but I've, I don't know, just kind of fallen into this habit now and or this routine. And it works out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But yeah, so as I was texting you, we were dealing with a little smoke alarm snafu just immediately mm-hmm. prior to recording. It was six ten, six fifteen, uh, my time, and all of a sudden we just hear the beep, like the chirping of "Hey, I'm a smoke alarm, and I don't like my current nine volt battery. Come give me a new one." Mm-hmm. And so then it was a matter of looking up. Okay, do I feel like because there, there are a few options. One option is I just tell you we can't record tonight or we have to record even later and I'm going to go run to the store and get myself a 9-volt battery. That's option one. Option two is see if we can disengage the smoke alarm without it getting mad at us because eventually, you know, smoke alarms are particularly resilient. You know, you can unplug them from the wall, remove the battery that it's supposed to have, and somehow it'll still manage to beep at you, and I don't know how. Uh... (laughs) But eventually, design. but eventually it probably wouldn't. So we so we thought about doing that, thought about trying to figure out how to silence it eventually. But I, I settled on option three, which is an option I've used many times as a, an RA in the dorms and uh, in other situations and apartments is I don't have a 9-volt battery on hand. So I am just going to unplug the whole smoke alarm, take the 9-volt battery out, put the 9-volt battery back in, do the whole reset thing and just see if it stops beeping and it did so uh unsurprisingly the nine volt battery is fine enough that it did not immediately start getting mad at us again Mm -hmm. so i i won't leave it like that i'll go get a nine volt battery but in a i do want to record tonight situation it was uh, a helpful solution yeah you bought yourself at least uh wait how many hours you buy yourself probably like eight hours, so it'll start going off at like, what, 4 a.m. or something probably now? I mean, we'll find out. As long as I get myself one hour, it's fine. Like, I could st- still go get go to Safeway tonight and get a battery if I felt like it. Yeah. Yeah. So, no big deal. Yeah. Nice. 
Yep. So you're not going to die, hopefully. Uh, probably not. Like, we have set off our... I feel like our... you skipped a critical step in your battery reset procedure. Uh, what? The fact that we had to tu- that we turned off every single breaker to figure out which one was attached to the smoke alarm, and it was the last one that we tried? <laughs> Wait, what? Okay, I'm going to finish my thought, and then I'm going to go back to something you just okay. made me think of. No, you forgot to lick the 9-volt battery, first uh, of all. Well, I'm not a battery licker. I'm not that um, kind of guy. Have you never licked a 9-volt battery? Um, maybe a, a long time ago, but I have no distinct memory of doing so it's just it's not my thing okay that's fine i just feel like it's a it's one of those things that feels like it's gonna be exciting and then it's not because it's like oh nothing happened and then you sit there for a sec with your tongue on a nine volt battery and you're like oh wait no there's something happening (laughs) i'd rather Um, go get myself some uh what is it is it icebreaker what 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 am i thinking of the white donut shaped mint candies that uh, have like tribal luminescence when you like oh, crunch on them uh, is it lifesavers yes the mint lifesavers okay yeah i'd much rather do that it's much safer and cooler than licking a battery i love how you remembered the word tribal luminescence but couldn't remember <laughs> lifesaver well it was in a video that i watched recently <laughs> no yeah i got you i got you but okay no what i was gonna what you made me think is can you please explain to me your smoke alarms hmm. well i was it's been a long time since i've dealt with smoke alarms properly and so i, I was looking up because you know I, I had haphazard training that never really seemed to stick when i was working in a dorm it seemed like we had 25 percent success in changing a battery and not having it chirp immediately after doing so uh so i was i was just on the internet looking it up and and was informed that most smoke alarms are attached to you know a sort of central power system there are smoke alarms that run Wait. off of just a small coin cell battery kind of thing and that's their main power source but most smoke alarms are just connected into your whole electrical system within your living place your living situation are you serious i so my whole hang-up was I've literally never seen a smoke alarm that's connected or that I know of that's connected into, like... I, I don't know what to tell the you. ...the house power, when, when other I, than, like, in schools. If I if I twist the smoke alarm, right, to kind of pull it off the wall, there's yeah. wires connected to the back of it, like what a little plug. Heck? And so, to be Wait, extra safe, I had, you know, the internet says, go find the breaker that it's connected to and turn it off. So I, I sat there staring at the smoke alarm and the little power indicator, and Aaron flicked the breakers until we found the one that it uh, was connected to, which ended up being, even though the smoke alarm is between the bedroom and the living room, oh, uh, yeah. it was the breaker connected to the bathroom lights, which happened to be the last one that Aaron checked. So, yep. Uh, <laughs> but we, got, but we so, isolated it. <laughs> you always need to define a strategy on what order you're going to check them in and then reverse it, because then you'll get it on the first one. Well, oh well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so yeah, I, I we we turned off the breaker. I unplugged it from the wall and proceeded with the reset of the whole situation. Wowza! Yeah, and we'll have to go through the whole thing again when I go obtain a nine volt battery or put in a maintenance request to get it fixed. So yours are connected to AC power, but then they have a nine volt in them as well. Which it's backup battery. It never runs off a nine volt. If one's not connected to the wall, it's not running off the 9-volt. The 9-volt's essentially backup to the, like, main 
battery, which is probably a sort of large coin cell battery. At least that's so what the internet it, tells me. So why is it chirping? Oh, is it chirping because like every, what, 10 years your 9-volt battery is supposed to have gone bad or something? Well, I, I don't know if it has an that internal timer. Weird. According to the internet, the timer is every year. But I don't know. That's, I, that's just interesting to me because I feel like every smoke alarm or smoke detector that I've ever around with oh sorry um and dang it in all the places to swear it's more just talking about smoke alarms casually because <laughs> it slips out when i'm not excited because when i'm excited i know it's gonna happen so i purposefully <laughs> consciously censor myself but it's when i'm casually talking about something that shouldn't be getting me all swearing like a sailor you know fair enough anyway, anyway. <laughs> yeah in my experience, every time that I've messed around with smoke alarm, smoke detectors, um, I feel like they're always like running off just one nine volt battery and they, they probably have like some secret hidden away, or at least some of them do like coin cell battery that's yeah. your, like backup power. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure it just depends on what sort of situation you're in and what's easier to maintain the, you know, in the age of the building and whatever else. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I just know that. And it could very well be a misrepresentation to say that most are like this. It's just that when I was looking it up, every bit of instructions included, oh, yeah, it very well might be connected to, like, essentially a wall-powered thing, and mm-hmm. you need to go figure out how to disconnect it. Hmm. So that was that. Also feels like a bad design that they hook them up so, like, you got to turn off the breaker to detach it. I don't know, man. Like I said, that's probably another factor where age of the building comes in, mm-hmm. and and pret- and potentially local regulations. Like who knows? Maybe they consider oh. it overall safer, better to have it connected within the whole building system, um, for like maintenance purposes. Mm-hmm. And, and they just don't because, especially here, it's you know we live in an apartment, but it's kind of dormy in a sense. Like it is an apartment. But the the level of maintenance, uh, at least access in my in my experience so far, is better than in other apartments that I've lived in. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me if that that plays into it uh, into the whole thing as well. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. In other news, in other news, before we get started, I woke up pleasantly sore today because yesterday morning i decided to play two rounds of disc golf in a row at the park that i go to Mm -hmm. and each round is as i think i've mentioned there's a lot of elevation change it's not like in terms of linear distance it's not a lot but when you're just going up and down hills and especially when when you lose a disc and you're walking around it piles up so would you like to guess how many floors or flights mm. of stairs my watch says that I walked up yesterday? I would like to guess. I am going to guess. Oh, gosh. I feel like the number has to be preposterous. Like, like 134. Grant, my watch says 129. 
See, even though you said preposterous, just you saying preposterous gives me no insight into what number you were about to say. But once I heard the 130, I was like, oh, great, you're so good. (laughs) I I was going to say like 120 something. And then I was like, nah, let's YOLO 140. No, that's too much. 130. (laughs) Yeah, this this course each time, like one round through is pretty consistently giving me like between 50 and 60 flights of stairs. Wow, was a do you, do you run up these imaginary flights of stairs? Depends. Depends on the mood I'm in. <laughs> Sometimes. It, when you're when you're feeling like you were born to run up stairs or imaginary yeah, I mean, stairs. I mean, there, there are some holes where, you know, either let's say someone's behind me, I'll kind of jog up. But also some where, mm-hmm. you know, you almost feel like you're more likely to fall if you don't run up them. Do you ever oh, do you ever deal yes. with hills like that? You know, you kind of yeah. just have to kind of skitter your way up and down so you don't fall. <laughs> I know exactly what type of hill you're talking about. Yeah, there's a lot of that here. Because <laughs> you either have to lean forward far enough that you're just going to fall over if you don't run. Mm-hmm. Or you're like leaning back so far that you're definitely going to fall over backwards because you're not running. Yep. Uh, and also times where, you know, I'll admit, especially like what I, the reason I like going in the morning is I very rarely have anyone on the course with me, at least not until I'm maybe halfway through what another group even start. And because of that, I can play each hole sort of several times mm. in the sense that I may throw a couple different shots off the tee just to see what works. Or especially if my first shot is bad, I might try and just throw another one that's better. Uh, mm-hmm. and I can definitely think of several holes where I may throw several shots, each of them hitting trees, maybe a hundred feet off the tee. And it's all, it's all the way downhill. I go retrieve those discs, run back up to the tee pad, try again. Uh, <laughs> there are definitely a few holes where I, where I would do that if nobody's around and I'm not like trying to hold myself to, let me try, try and play a very serious round here where I am just figuring out if I'm improving. A lot mm-hmm. of the time, it's just, I'd like to just keep practicing, and just throwing mm-hmm. one shot every single time isn't going to help me get better at the, like, making the shot. It's That would be practicing a very different skill, which I don't care about developing at this particular moment. Mm-hmm. So yes, many flights of stairs, equivalent, many steps, and I ended up very sore today, but that didn't stop me from going out and grinding out another round. Getting fit and playing games. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, If you ever come out and visit here, I will take you to this course. Even if you don't want to play, you'll also just enjoy the hike. It's a lovely place to be. Yeah. It sounds wonderful, to be honest. It is. I saw saw for the first time ever on uh, yesterday, a deer prancing down a hill in real life. Oh, that's so fun. Where they, like, jump on all fours. Yeah, like, I've yeah. never actually seen that happen. And I just, it was probably 100 <laughs> feet in front of me. And it was just kind of chilling out. It looked at me. And then it just starts prancing down the hill away from the hole. Yes. Those are the moments where just, like, nature's great. We got measly cow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> me- messy cow. Oh, I already messed up. Oh, I cursed while talking about fire alarms. Got measly cow comics now, aka messy cow comic. Or is it messy cow? Messy, messy cow? 
comics because it's one word i love how you just like never help me with this just let me ramble like a lunatic by uh chen wang so in this scene we we open up with a i'm gonna presume a mother and two young children the mother is is walking in excitedly exclaiming listen we're going camping the kids holler back can i have hot dogs can i have s'mores Yes, of course, the mother tells them. Yay! Camping! The kids yell as they're running off out of the scene, and the father presumably is peeking his head in kind of creepily. He says, when will they realize that they can have those at home? Mom looks at the dad and says, I'll make sure they can't. Very good. Wowza. It is, that is a real realization when you notice that you can have a hot dog, well, hot dogs, not really, but s'mores at home, mm-hmm. but you can't have them in the same way, though. That's true. So this, I, I did just want to talk about camping, and in particular, camping Ooh. food and, and snacks and that sort of stuff, oh, and in your experience... I cracked my fingers. Oh, okay. <laughs> I cracked them too far away from the microphone. I was trying to make it sound like I'm like, oh... Let me lean back and get ready to answer this question. Gotcha. I'm already taking it as written, you being you, that you and your family did some amount of camping or at least picnicking and Mm -hmm. things like that. What sort of stuff did you you feast on in those times? What are your favorites? What are your favorite memories? So in terms of, I'm going to go with, in terms of camping food, I'm going to lean initially at least here towards like, campfire food sure because we so my family and i growing up like we certainly went camping a decent amount but a lot of the time it was like nice campgrounds and like with like a camper trailer type deal Mm. um and so we didn't do a ton of cooking on like a campfire for like normal meals just because it's a pain it's so hard to do and to do it well at least it's really easy to do it really badly But when you're trying to, like, sustain people for a multiple-day-long trip, you kind of need decent meals a lot of the time. Yep. And it's just easier to do it that way. But, like, we would always, a lot of the times, like, at night we would have a campfire, and then we would have, like, campfire desserty type thing. So, like, s'mores and whatnot. But I think the place where there was the most experimentation and adventure and fun was the, like, I don't know what they're called, like, the campfire pies with those, like, I don't I don't know what they are. like pie iron things that like fold in half and are on oh, the wall. Oh, oh, I remember yes, yes, yes. The first time I remember even being aware of these things. Or, well, maybe it's not the first first time, but real but I, it may be the first time was after senior year of high school when you and or Matt brought those along to that cabin that we went to. Oh my gosh. And we yes. did the like apple pie uh over a fire type thing where you just have bread and <laughs> apple pie filling and you just throw it in the iron thing yeah yeah i remember that so those are those are like a top tier camping snack hmm. they're a bit more work certainly than s'mores but there's also way more fun because there's like there's a much more significant risk of like seriously burning yourself <laughs> in multiple aspects of it or just like <laughs> branding somebody with a square pie iron uh-huh. which is just like you can't not enjoy that, you know? Yeah. It's it's just, the danger is just fun. But there was one of my favorite recipes in those things. 
was something created by someone that we camped with for a while. Um, and it was called the, the Jake special. And so it was, it was like two slices of bread that you butter the outside. So they get all like caramelized or like, and so they golden don't brown. become just a part of the pie iron. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and then you put, shoot, what is it? You put peanut butter and then some chopped up or like broken off squares of like Hershey's chocolate or whatever. And then a few marshmallows mm. in the middle. And you cook that and it's so delicious and also so dangerous because you like, like with the like apple pies and the cherry pies that people make, like, okay, you got to let it cool down for a little bit before you eat it. Cause the middle is like pretty darn hot. Now this stuff, all the ingredients completely liquefy and it is like, it has the viscosity of water, but the heat and burning capacity of lava. And so it's so dangerous. Cause if you like, take a bite and it like squirts out the side or something or squirts out the bottom like it will like give you serious burns on like your pants on your legs even like through pants i swear yeah but it's so good it's worth the danger it's worth the risk that actually does sound pretty good yeah it what's well, a it's a s'more with peanut butter let's be real <laughs> well i mean I, the, but the marshmallows uh, liquefy well that's what i was gonna say is is a s'more also has a lot of texture to it that is much different than what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. So it's what? It's browned bread with sugar, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, but all different is, flavors of sugar and a yeah, little bit of protein. Okay, yeah, okay. Most of it's just a little. Then loosely veiled delivery system of sugar. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish we'd had the pie iron thing. Uh, I don't know if my parents weren't aware of it or knew that the risk that it posed, but we never had that growing up, which, again, is why the first time I came across it was sometime in high school, perhaps mm-hmm. at the end of it. Uh, I think one of the biggest over-the-fire things for us, I mean, schmores are obvious, but my dad did not like schmores. Mm. He didn't grow up with it. He grew up in Florida and just never... How have I never known this? Never acquired a taste for s'mores. He's a Florida man. Yeah. And so his big thing that he always needed to buy if we were going to go camping is Jiffy Pop. See, and that's something I've never had over a campfire. Never. It was a... We've definitely made it once or twice not over a campfire, but over a campfire is the premier way to do it. And it works super well, and it ends up so good. Like, it's just such a good really late evening snack when you're out camping and stuff. Like, just it just works so well. Uh, yeah. Hmm. I mean, you could do it over, like, I guess a gas burner or something, but that's not fun. Because I've, I've done it over a gas burner probably, like, once or twice. Mm-hmm. But I just assumed that... If you did it over a campfire, you would inevitably end up just like burning the ever-loving bejesus out of the bottom of it. No, you, like just like a s'more, like like roasting a a marshmallow to a golden crisp. Like there's a there's a method to the madness. You're not just sticking it in a fire and not doing anything with it. Like you are finding the sweet spot of where the mm-hmm. heat is to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. Which which you know there's an element of danger to that too because you don't you don't have a telescoping s'more stick. You have about that, six inches of metal wire to work with. <laughs> that, that was going to be my other question because those handles are not long. Yeah, I think my dad 
typically brought his like grill gloves that he has, like okay. you know, high temperature uh, yeah. grill, grilling gloves. Uh, of glove. Yes. And yeah, so that that's the biggest memory that I have is that was always a request for my dad. And it's always like, it's just fun. Like the, the pie iron is really tasty. Like the result is cool and dangerous and, and fun for that reason. <laughs> but the like experience of seeing the Jiffy Pop develop yeah. is just so, it's so much more fun. Like I wish that I could have all mm-hmm. popcorn appear to me in that way. You know, it's like, like I wish that you could somehow make a, a microwavable popcorn bag that had the same characteristics of Jiffy Pop, where it's not just that it expands, it expands in this ball and you can like, like every single kernel that hits leaves a little dent in the foil. Okay. And, and it's like, like you just see it like build up. Like it's just this very exciting thing. And then you just like tear into the top and pass it around. Just mm-hmm. like that. Like, you don't dump it into a bowl or something. You just pass around the thing itself. It's just so genius. So that, that's, that's I think, the most, uh, at least the most nostalgic campfire thing that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Do you want to delve into other types of camping foods? Oh, of course I do. What about, what about uh, like, shelf-stable snacks that, that you brought along? Okay. Let, let's, let's phrase it that way. The sort of on-the-go snacks. Yeah. So for the, I'm going to, I'm going to start turning towards like my backpacking foods that I like sure. rather than like camping food that I bring with. Cause like that counts when you, when we had like a pop-up camper, like we were bringing like bags of chips and stuff, which like, okay, that's a shelf stable snack, but like doesn't count. doesn't feel like camping. <laughs> Agreed. Um, but in terms of like shelf stable or shelf stable ish, like backpacking foods, I, I love having, beef jerky hmm. um i only do that if i'm hiking on this <laughs> i only do that if i'm hiking on the superior hiking trail because there's a place to get really freaking good beef jerky on the way there along the north shore rush russ russ kendall's like smokehouse or something yeah my mom talks about that all the time and we went there once <laughs> are you serious it's so freaking good well I, like we didn't go up to the north shore for like backpacking and stuff it was like yeah. If we were going to Duluth for a day trip, which we did sometimes, or like a short weekend, yeah, uh, you just go. Up my a little my more. mom uh, always talked about it. Yeah, it's so good. I was I was introduced to it through a camping friend. No, actually, yeah, yeah, through a camping friend. And so I've whenever I've gone up that direction, if I'm going through at a time when they're open, I always try to stop off and get a little bit of beef jerky, even though. Supposed to be refrigerated, and I don't refrigerate it when I'm going backpacking or something, which is bad. But no, you haven't I haven't gotten yet. sick yet. Yep. I haven't gotten sick yet, so I'm fine. <laughs> um, and I normally don't let it go for more than like a day or two. Sure, but that's always good. Um, I like dried fruits, so like dried bananas and apples for sure. Because, mm. like, I'll bring like one piece of fresh fruit for like my first day or something on the trail, but after that, it's like you can't bring fresh fruit; it's way too heavy. Mm. I think dessert type things are where I'll like splurge. Mm. And by splurge, I mean just get something that's horrific in like a nice tasty stick of butter. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like that's something that I've gotten into. I don't know if it's a bad habit, but pop tarts will be like my treat yourself at the end of the day snack that I bring with. Mm -hmm. Cause they're pretty light for the amount of 
calories and sugar that is in them. Brown sugar cinnamon, right? I'm just going to pretend you didn't say that because I don't want us to stop recording this podcast for all of eternity. You're just trying to trigger me, and I know it. I'm not going to fall for it. But Pop-Tarts are a real solid one. What are those things? Shelf-stable stuff. Like, there's always, like, dehydrated meal-type deals. Any standouts there? I've never... I don't think I've ever had a sort of camping MRE kind of thing. Really? There are... I don't go that yeah. kind of camping. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And they're not the type of thing you just like eat for fun. Yeah. I feel like in general, most of them are the type of thing where if you just like bought one just as an experiment to like have in your apartment on a weekend or something, you would think it was pretty gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like after you've been like, after you like hike 12 miles with like a 40 pound pack or something in like the sweltering heat and humidity, like it doesn't matter what it is. It tastes delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like so delicious. Um, that makes sense. But I've definitely had a few that I think are legitimately good. Last time, last summer, I went um, backpacking with a few friends and one of them was vegetarian. And. I was tasked with buying dehydrated meals for like one night when we were doing dehydrated meals for dinner. And so like I got them this, it was one of the few vegetarian ones that I could find, but it was like a vegetarian or no, it's like fully vegan pad Thai. Hmm. And oh my God, it was so good. Like it was incredibly good. It came with like a little packet of peanuts that you could put in and a little packet of peanut butter and a little packet of like spices and stuff. It was Hmm. like, intense nice and so that was real good i need to get myself one of those for a trip that i'm planning so i want to have it again sure but other than that i feel like i normally i normally lean towards like pasta with some sort of meat sauce because it's hard for the companies that make these meals to mess that one up Mm -hmm. and they're always good makes sense don't add too much water to them that's the other thing (laughs) Always add a little bit less water than they tell you to because you can always add more. Yeah, that's fair. But once you get a soupy pile of pasta, it's, <laughs> you can't unsoupy it, you know? Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, I don't remember if jerky was a big thing when we were growing up. I'm sure we would always end up with a package to share eventually. Nothing particularly good. Just whatever you could get at a gas station, basically. Yeah. Uh, I remember... Jerky. Last year, when I drove back to Minnesota uh, at the start of the pandemic, I basically survived on two days on cliff bars and beef jerky. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> the the lobes and fishes of gas stations. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I bought a 12-pack of cliff bars from the grocery store like a couple days before I left and then would just kind of restock on, on beef jerky and Powerade and stuff when I stopped at gas stations. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I started the trip with a 12-pack and then restocked on on Cliff Bars and beef jerky on gas stations. Yeah. Or, no, power rating beef jerky, or whatever. It was funny the first time. <laughs> but the biggest, the absolute biggest thing that was a must-get on every camping trip that the Richard family took was miniature boxes of cereal. 
Oh my gosh. We never How got... did I forget that? <laughs> How did I forget mini boxes of cereal? Because you probably don't bring them on backpacking trips, and that was where your mindset was. <laughs> yeah, but family camping trips, my dad was obsessed with these. My dad is mm-hmm. still obsessed with these to this day. My dad <laughs> loves them. Yeah, they're, they're great. I mean, we don't... You know, we never got them outside of camping. It was strictly a camping thing. But you even look at them now, and it's like the same number of calories as like a yogurt cup. You know, like it's not mm-hmm. horrible for you, but it gets you started. It makes you have a little fun. You get to have types of cereal, at least for us, types of cereal that my parents would probably never buy for us otherwise, at least very rarely. Uh, you know, you get to, you get to explore different kinds. You get to fight over who wants what. Uh, that's how I fell in love with Honey Smacks. Was those uh, small boxes of cereal? Hmm. Um, yeah, it's just easily, easily the biggest thing that was a requirement on any any camping trip or road trip or any other Jeez. sort of thing. How did I forget about that? I don't know, man. But don't you ever forget it again. Next next time we meet up, we'll get Choco Tacos and mini boxes of cereal. <laughs> where? See, my question is, where can you even get them these days? Because I remember. Gas the stations last... probably still. Okay. Yeah. I think that's where we normally got them. Because the last, I always remember the last few years that like, like before me and my sister like left the house and like went off to college and stuff. Like when my dad was planning for like trips and was going to get those cereal boxes, he would always, he would always have to have a, some sort of sneaky plan to get them because like they didn't sell the ones that he wanted at grocery stores. <laughs> Because my gotcha. dad has serious brand loyalty to a company that makes breakfast cereals. Okay, gotcha. And so, like, that company stopped selling them in grocery stores, so he had to find a way to get them. Mm. And he always did. He always did. It was always something preposterous, but... That does make me a little nervous, then. I, I, I do want to obtain these at some point. Uh, that, that would actually be a fun episode. That would probably be a much better episode than our attempted to be review episode. What well, would be okay. a miniature cereal box review episode i'm just saying I, as, as in like we could be more consistent it's much easier to get two of those that are the same than attempting to like review different beers from each other <laughs> see i feel like we just got to plan the beer thing longer in advance well that's also true that we can do it right because yes that, you're, that is definitely true you're correct it'd probably be easier if you can get many boxes of cereal to get well, them yeah, if we could. I'm sure we could make it happen. I wouldn't be surprised if they're just like a only hotels can buy them now sort of thing. Meh. Because I haven't seen them in years. I have no idea where you would buy them. I don't believe I'll, the I'll gas stations around. have them. But the Bay Area is probably a very bad place to look for them, but I can try. <laughs> okay. I'll start hitting up 7-Eleven. Sounds good. We'll see what they got in stock. Grant has brought Bark Eater Lake. By Corey Pandolph. Uh, we have a man with a box. And he is saying, well, I'm ready for that building permit now. And he opens up the box, I assume, or and takes out a little miniature dog. That looks very similar to a full-size dog that is now across from the man. And the man says, see, it's a 3D layout of the deck, complete with little cutouts of me and you. And the dog says, that's quite possibly the biggest waste of time I've ever seen. And the man looks disgruntled 
at the miniature of the dog, and then in the final frame, holds up a lighter to the miniature dog. So, Mark, hmm. seems like this man has a has an interesting interesting hobby <laughs> that's kind of unique. Something something interesting to do when he's having his me time, building this deck with miniature cutouts of him and his dog, which now it's just going to be him because he's burning his dog. Sure. It's just kind of an evil thing to do, but whatever. People don't light your dogs on fire. That's not good. Anyway. Um, Mark, what... Chemical I know we, Start stands firmly against those who try to burn dogs. <laughs> yes. Specifically lighting them on fire with a like a Bic lighter. This This is a hill we can die on. This is a hill we will certainly die on. Anyway, what I was gonna, what I was gonna ask, because I know, I know we've asked about this before, or talked about this before, but probably uh-huh. not in a little while. Mark, what do you, you got any exciting things that you like to do in your me time these days, or not exciting, if that's what you like your me time to be? I mean, if it hasn't been evident in the last, you know, few weeks, disc golf has become one of those things. Okay. Um, I've gotten very into it. It's filling a big hole in my life out here in not having the same sort of like core group of people to go out and do sports stuff with. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like being active and, and going for walks is nice, but I like having a sporting activity to do. Like I yeah. always have. I, I love doing that. It's, um, and, and I've tried filling those holes in various ways, but, but now that I'm here, disc golf has taken up that spot with a vengeance because mm-hmm. I don't need literally anybody else to do it and it's and it's me versus the course and it's something that i can get Mm -hmm. better at um so so that's probably the biggest thing that's new at least there's there's a whole lot of other stuff that's not new like podcasting and blogging and whatever else um uh one thing actually that i'll have more to say about in the future Mm. there's nothing much to say about now teaser is I'm volunteering to do some math tutoring. Oh, yeah. So there's a, a you know, I, I just sort of on a whim started poking around a website that kind of collates uh, work and volunteer opportunities for nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, it's been a long time since I've done something like this. Like I, while I was in San Diego, <clears throat> while I was in San Diego, I always sort of thought about, oh, it would be good to do something like this. And like, like I joined a community band, but that's a little different than volunteering for something. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I ended up finding this this group that is actually like they're only doing it remotely, and they're technically partnered with the Los Angeles school district. But because it's remote, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you know, sent in an application for that. Chatted with someone yesterday from the program and got accepted, which you know, frankly, I would expect to be. Uh, <laughs> So I have to go. So I have to go get a background check and do some little orientation this week, and then I'll get matched with a student. And this is the reason I like this program is it's not like you hold some like open session and it's just uh, any Mm -hmm. group of people could show up. It's like something consistent Uh, because that can be kind of stressful. Yeah, you you get assigned a student, and you work with them and their teacher and their parents. And you figure out a time or two times a week to meet with them for like 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. And you commit to the program for at least three months with a single kid. 
and you could do multiple kids if you wanted to, if you had the time. I, I, I'm choosing, well, let's start off slow. Let's just commit to these two hours because I can spare two hours of my time, obviously. And yeah, so I will start doing that in the next week or two and hopefully start building up rapport with some young kid who's, you know, probably having a tough time in some parts of school and we'll see where we can go with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if that necessarily counts as a hobby. Hundred percent does. Yeah, that I mean, counts. math education has always been a thing that I've worked on, and especially now that I'm moving away from it at work, mm-hmm. this is a good way to sort of keep in touch with that side. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What? A, <laughs> so there's your wholesome response for the day. Yeah. What a good community member. Jeez. Trying. I can't follow that up with anything. So help morally justify the money that I spend on discs over the next year. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta undercut yourself somehow, Mark. That's right. Can't get too serious on this podcast. It's scary. Oh, no, never. (laughs) I'll leave that for the other one. I almost peed my pants. It was too scary.